Let's go, girls. Brianna, third time's the charm. <laughs> <laughs> oh Yay! Okay, thank goodness. Crazy. Who knows? Technology sometimes is it's a, a mystery. And a curse. But I For am sure. so glad that we finally get a chance to chat. Um, I, I know. Like I've been sliding into your DMs for like years now. <laughs> um, always like, <laughs> oh, girl, where are your boots from? Complimenting your outfit. But before we get into it, can you just give our listeners kind of a quick rundown of who you are, where you're from, um, and what your kind of your day to day looks like today? Oh, wow. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm Sydney Broadway. And as you can tell, my accent lets you know I'm probably from the South. Um, I'm from Alabama, but now I'm currently living in Montana. Um, my life day to day, you know, I run a lot of different social media pages as well as marketing endeavors for companies. So I'm kind of a freelancer, um, do a lot of pictures and enjoy working with the people that, you know, that inspire me daily. How did you get into doing freelance work like that? Did you reach out to these pages that you manage? Um, You know, I first started working in the outdoor industry. Um, I was a professor for the longest time, which it really shocks people when I tell them that. I taught English and speech and then worked as a public relations director at the University of West Alabama, which gave me a lot of skills in marketing and PR. Um, And then an opportunity arose where I had the opportunity to go to Drake Waterfowl Systems and be their PR specialist and social media manager and field expert manager and I took the opportunity and that kind of it really brought me into the outdoor industry it was a great stepping stone and from there I met a lot of great people that wanted to get involved and wanted me to do their social media so that's yeah, really cool now Drake isn't where you got your feet wet with hunting you've you've been hunting for a while right oh right yes yes that was just my first I guess you could say professional job yeah. in the outdoor industry was working with Drake um, but I've been hunting for, gosh, ever since I was a little girl, I would, I would hunt with my granddaddy. Um, I grew up in a family without a dad. Um, so that was, that's always been kind of a difficult, difficult road in itself, but I definitely had that male, you know, figure in my life, which was my granddaddy and my uncle. And they got me outdoors and mostly hunting whitetail in Alabama. That was what we did. Um, I, one of my first memories as a little girl, I was probably no more than six or seven, and my granddaddy took me to our hunting stand, and he brought colors and crayons <laughs> because Lord knows I couldn't be so quiet when I was little. Oh, yeah, so hard. So he kept me occupied, and, and I remember I would ask him questions, and he'd give me the whole shh, you know, be quiet. <laughs> That's too funny. So, you know, it was funny, but then he would tell me, he was a little buddy come sit on my lap there's a deer you know so I would like crawl up there and like peep out and try to find him and so I, I can remember that vividly that's those are kind of my first memories of being outdoors um and I attribute attribute that to my grandfather yeah, do you remember sure. those like that feeling when he was like oh get on my lap there's a deer like what were you feeling in that moment in that moment, it was just, you know, back then as a kid, you didn't really know what was going to happen. It was more of excitement right. than anything. Um, it was that, oh, my goodness, you know, it was almost like Christmas morning. You wanted to get up there and see what you were looking at. Um, so I just remember the one big thing was just excitement. Awesome. And that I'm sure has carried with you every time you go out in the field or every time you go on a stand. But 
um, what I've noticed since following you, you're a big waterfowl. How did that start? Yes, and it's a waterfowl. Right. Well, my grandfather and my family not really at all. Like at oh, not at all. (laughs) The first time I ever went waterfowl hunting, I was in college, and it was then with my boyfriend who's turned into um, my husband. But as of now, we're no longer together. But I 100%, you know, attribute him to my love for waterfowl hunting. Um, He was a huge waterfowler. And I'll never forget it. I was one of those skeptics. I was like, what are you doing (laughs) getting up at four o'clock in the morning, you know, going down to the river, heading to the slough? I was like, what are you like? What is the, you know, the love of that? And he was like, you just got to do it once, you know? And so I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to do it. So I went, and oh my goodness, it's, it's something that is really hard to describe that feeling of, you know, watching the ducks work and being right at, right at sunrise. And it's, it's a beautiful, almost spiritual feeling. It's really hard to explain it. But after that first time, it was in a wood duck hole, and I actually shot a wood duck that day. So Your first time I mean, out? First awesome. time out, shot a wood duck. You go, girl. I know, right? So I felt good. I felt positive about it. But yeah, I mean, I, I'll never forget that hunt. And I'm always still grateful to this day for that experience and grateful to be taught, you know, educated in the waterfowl sport. So yeah, water- yeah. I've learned a lot from my dad and I've learned a lot from my brother and now my boyfriend. But I found myself like just following all female influencers in the outdoors, people who just have shared a lot of their knowledge and you being truly one of the first that I've started following. Um, because oh, I was, wow. Yeah. Well, Thank I was you. really interested in waterfowl hunting. Cause that's what my dad really does. And that's what's really accessible on Cape Cod where I grew up and following your journey and you getting out there in the flooded timber. That's on my bucket list. Oh, oh let's go. What's it's usually above the salt waters where we would go, but Flooded timber is just absolutely gorgeous from what I've seen. There's nothing like it. I mean, really, it's beautiful. It really is. But just being out there at first light and even hearing their wings going over you, I'm like, oh, just a few more minutes. Oh, I know. That is the longest, like, two minutes of your life sitting there. It's almost like standing in front of the microwave and just waiting for your food. That's kind of how it feels. You're like, oh, my gosh, this is never That is, like, the best analogy to it. You're in the microwave (laughs) waiting for that food to heat up or whatever it is. Yes, takes forever. Um, I started following you, um, and what I'm really interested in hearing is how you kind of grew up hunting with your granddaddy at a very young age. I mean, bringing crayons and a coloring book to the stand, you know that you're at a very young age. The social media era really started to kick in, and for a lot of people, obviously, they're going to be sharing their personal interests with the masses. So, of course, for you, it's like second nature. You're just sharing what you're interested in. What time in all of that where it really started to kick in where, like, my interests are really actually starting to gain traction and kind of I'm turning this into more of a career? You know, it's, it's really interesting. As you were talking, I was thinking back to, the you know, the first time that I that I was like, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really try to push a positive role model aspect on my page because I want people to – you know, look up to me and, and feel inspired and want to get outdoors. And and I can remember it being about, I guess it's been six six years ago now. I was I've always followed Eva Shockey. She's always just been like the pinnacle, oh, yeah. 
you know, to me of just a wonderful role model in the outdoors and just such a positive person, you know. Um, and, and I thought to myself, I was like, you know, Eva does it. And I thought of other girls, Kendall Jones and Taylor Drury and, you know, so many females that just do a good job of representing themselves outdoors. And I was like, well, you know, I could do that on a small scale. Like I could be a role model on a small scale. So I just, you know, I really started sharing my adventures and as, as much as I could, as often as possible. If I went out to shot my, to shoot my bow, I would take a picture and post it. Or if I, you know, went to a, a, a banquet of some sort, whether it be NWTF or DU, I'd post about it. Or if there was anything that I, anyone that I found intriguing or doing something cool, I'd share something about it. I wanted to really show my best self in the outdoors. And so I think that's where it all began. It was probably six or seven years ago whenever I just, I wanted to transition my page and just be a role model. That's very cool. And that you've really stayed dedicated to that and true to yourself. And I think that's what makes you such a fun individual to follow. And I almost said page, but you're not just a page. You're a, there's a person obviously behind it. And it's just, you're so authentic and you're like sharing exactly your humble beginnings to where you are today. Um, so it's really, it's truly inspiring to see how kind of how you've evolved in all of your journey. But what I'm curious about too, is kind of, how did you know that like, this was the right thing you knew you continuously were posting all of your experiences and all of the opportunities that presented themselves to you with Drake and whatever it may be. When were you kind of like this, I know I need to keep moving forward. And what were kind of people's initial reactions when you started to do that consistently? Well, you know, um, first and foremost, I 100% put all my faith in God and him showing me the, the right path. You know, I prayed about it a lot. You know, I went to school to be an English professor and speech professor and, you know, something in the educational side of things. And I mean, I'm pretty far, you know, sidetracked <laughs> from there at this point. Um, you know, definitely not in the classroom teaching kids, but at the end of the day, still being educational, just in a different way. You know, I want to be 100% authentic. You know, I want to be me. I want people to see me doing the right things and being outdoors and loving every second of it. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it was almost, you know, it's funny you said that about what were people's initial responses. And my family at first were, they were really confused. They were like, you know, you're constantly on your phone. And the, the difficult part about being a good influencer, I feel like, is you're constantly involved and immersed in that outdoor sure. space. You know, if somebody comments, I want to comment back as soon as possible. I want to let those people know that I care about their questions. You know, I care about their three-legged dog and what they're eating. You know, most recently I've, earlier today I was having a conversation with somebody and they had a three-legged dog and they were seeing what Trick was eating and you know so I always want to engage the best way possible I don't want to be merely an audience I want them to feel like they're you know a part of a part of me a friendship absolutely and I love that and I think you touching upon that with Trip and just your whole journey with him um, really broadens the horizon of who you are touching because someone may have a three-legged dog that doesn't hunt but just wants to turn to you for your advice and I saw that you just shared um his diet what he's been eating um 
in mm-hmm. that, I'm sure you've gotten a lot of feedback on or questions. So I'm curious, actually, and I, we're probably going to jump around a little bit. So excuse That's me for fine. that. But ahead. I would yeah. love for you to um, share with our listeners, and I want to hear too, just how you came up, how you and Trip really connected and where you guys met. Like, how did you find him? Oh, it's such a cool story. Bear with me. I could probably have a whole <laughs> podcast just on this. Like, we'll get him on part. too. So bear. Yeah, yeah, I could bring him in. He's he's right over here. But um, I'll never forget it. So I had just moved to Olive Branch, Mississippi, which is where Drake headquarters are, um, and still is today. And that was the furthest I'd ever like lived away from my family, from my mom, my uncle, my grandmother. The, my close How far relatives. is that from your hometown? Uh, four hours. Yeah. So I moved there. And I was in an apartment alone, so a single girl, not a friend in the world up there, except for my coworkers. Um, you know, I was very much alone. And it was, I mean, I would say, I don't know, it's like a dark time of my life, but very much I felt alone, you know. And I'll never forget, I woke up in the middle of the night from a bad dream, and I called out for my mom, which was just, and it just felt like such right. a woe. Like, I'm alone. Like, I felt like a child, like, you know just being scared and so in that moment I kid you not at three o'clock in the morning I grabbed my laptop I was actually sleeping on the floor at that time because I didn't have a bed oh my goodness but I grabbed yeah I grabbed my laptop and I googled you know humane society and the first one that popped up was Memphis Humane Society and I went straight to the dogs I'm not a cat person but I went straight to the dog section And I was just looking and looking and looking and looking. And then there was, at the time, the the place had named him Soldier. Um, You know, they all have little names on the the page to kind of, I guess, make it more relatable. But his name was Soldier. And I saw where he had three legs. And and it was weird in that moment because I felt that immediate connection that I felt a little broken, too. And I felt like maybe he, you know, maybe he needed me like I needed him. So, the next day, Johnny on the spot, I, I called. I actually was sitting at work, and my coworkers were like, just go ahead and call. It's fine. So I called um, in, in Drake's headquarters, and I was like, hey, you know, I I really want to adopt that dog. And they were like, which one? And I told them Soldier, and they were like, oh, he's – they've already got papers in oh. on him. And they were like, but – they are like, you can totally come in and, like, you know, fill out some papers and kind of be second in line. And they're like, rarely does it happen if a person's chosen, do they ever like, you know, say they don't want it at that point there. So they basically gave me really low odds of getting trip. But any, I, I still went and they brought him in that day. I'll never forget it. And he came running in there and he just literally, it was on concrete and he just tripped oh right there in front of me. And I said, buddy, you tripped. And he and he was just all wagging his tail. And then Trip stuck with me after I said those words. I was like, that needs to be his name, Trip. That is And adorable. so that's why I named him Trip. Yeah, he totally fell right in front of me. And it, long story short, um, I waited a week before I heard back from the Humane Society. And I actually had stored the number in my phone. Like, I was that desperate. I was like, I want to make sure I don't miss this call if I get it. And then, of course, they called, and I answered, and they were like, do you still want trip? And I just fell apart because I've never wanted anything so bad That's in my life. Amazing. What a connection to just see him and just know it right was. then and there. 
Oh, it was an immediate connection. The people at the Humane Society were crying yeah. because they just knew that that was my dog. Like whenever I met him that time, and I just I just fell apart. I just knew it was the most. It was an instantaneous bond. I mean, I know people probably say that a lot, but it just brings me to tears right now because in that moment, I just I needed him Absolutely. so bad. I wonder what happened with the initial inquiry that people who were filling had papers in for him. You know, I think it just had to be a God thing because I don't know how you could turn right. that down after you've already filled oh out God. papers on him and him being so cute. I mean, he was only four months old. I was going to ask. How old was and he? just wow. the bait. Yeah, he was a little fella back then. He was just a baby, and I don't know. They never told me why they turned him down or if maybe – I'm not really sure of that part of the story, but I just know that I was the lucky person that ended up with Sure, it was God's plan for you. There is no – you don't even need to know. Whatever their reasoning was, that was their reason, but yours yours was that exactly. God's plan for you. That's amazing. I love that. Yeah, and if you don't mind, can I touch yeah, one absolutely. more thing on that real quick? Um, when I got him, it's funny, I had no desire or like want or anything like that to make him a duck dog, you know. I never really thought he was going to be that. I just needed him to be a companion, you know. I just wanted a friend. And um, so, but it's weird just how things work in mysterious ways. You know, we, I took him with me everywhere I went. You know, if it was Max Prairie Wing, but yeah, he went everywhere. I mean, every little adventure he would go. And the last time, uh, it was the, one of the first times he went to a duck camp. Um, my friend Charlie Perkins, he had us out at his place. And he asked me, he was like, Does Trip pick up Bert? And I was like, No, no, <laughs> what do you not mean? That I'm aware of, you know, if he has, he's never done it with me, you know. And he was like, Let's just. Let's just see if he'll do it. And I actually have the little video. Um, I'll have to oh, send it to you goodness. so you can watch. But I'll never forget it. Like, we had shot some green wing teal that morning. And that would have been about the right size for his mouth. He was just a little fella. And I'll never forget it. He, so, Charlie was kind of walking me through it. He was like, just toss it out there and just encourage him to go. And so, I tossed the duck, you know. And he just bolted out there, picked it up, came back with the softest wow. mouth. And yeah, and Charlie looked at me. He was like, "You got a duck dog." And I was like, "Congratulations!" Yeah, I do. And so, yeah. And so after that, you know, lo and behold, I called a few people, a few trainers in town, and I told them I was like, "I got a really unique case." I was like, "I've adopted this dog from the Humane Society. He only has three legs, but he's got drive, and he's going to be my duck dog. Will you train him?" And a few people, really, had, you know, they were like, "I'm like, yeah." They're like, "I don't know. Like, that's kind of, I don't know, but." I'll never forget it. Mr. Marty Roberts, he was a elite team member for Great Waterfowl Systems, and I, he still is. Um, but I called him, and he was like, Sid, you know, I used to have a three-legged dog, and he had probably the most drive out of any I've ever had. And he was like, of course I'll train wow. him. And, man, I'm telling you, Mr. Marty, that was just another, like, push in the right direction. Like, he literally, he trained Trip, and, I mean, Trip's a great He's a great duck dog. Like, he'll get out there in whatever conditions. He'll go get the ducks. He gets so excited. In his older age, he's gotten to where if I don't shoot a bird or somebody doesn't knock one down, if one doesn't fall after that shotgun crack, he is, I mean, excuse my language, but he is pissed. <laughs> like, he gets, he gets yeah. mad. Like, come on, and I Mom. can tell, like, he'll whine. Or, 
Oh yeah, he gets angry. So I, he really puts the pressure on me more than anybody. If I gotta make sure I make a connection, and you have a full lab, right? You have full yellow lab. You know, I talked to somebody about that today too, um, and they said that there's like a DNA test you can do on dogs. I've I never really looked into it as much, but I he looks full he's lab. Gotta be. He's got that I in don't his blood, know. that ambition to just get out there. Oh yeah, I think he probably. He's, he could probably be a probably lab and, and golden retriever mix or something, maybe, if anything. But he does have that natural want to go pick something up and bring it back. It's just that retriever in him that does that. But he never had a problem with feathers or anything. It was like he just, that was his, you know, part of his life was being a duck thing. Now, did they give you, did they tell you how he lost his leg or what that experience was like for him before he came to the Humane Society? They did, and it's a very, um, it's a very sad story. Honestly, we don't need he, to get into it if you don't want. Oh, it's, it's it's fine. It's it's part of this story. It's fine. I don't mind sharing it. He um he was hit by a vehicle, and someone found him in the ditch, and they somehow tracked back down to who his owners were, and his owners did not have the money to take him to the vet. Now, his leg wasn't broken. There wasn't anything severely wrong. There was just a really bad gash on that on that leg. And um, But they didn't take him to the vet. And I mean, uh, gangrene set up in his leg. And so they had to remove his leg all the way, even the hip joint's gone. So oh it's, there's nothing there. There's not even really a nub. There's just some, some skin. But they said he was so quick to, you know, bounce him back and, running around and you wouldn't even know he missed it so yeah he was ready to get out in that water that's for sure he, he was had he, that in his yeah mind. and the big joke with trip is does he swim in a circle that's what everyone <laughs> oh likes to say God. when they see a three-legged dog and i'm like <laughs> he swims just fine but oh i promise goodness. you nine out of ten times people say does he swim in a circle oh yeah i haven't <laughs> heard that one before <laughs> i know i always just give the best little fake laugh i can but yeah i've heard it probably I don't even want to know how many times a lot. <laughs> oh my God. I can imagine. So that I'm curious though, too, like how is the care for him? Like I mentioned, you had that post today or the other day about um, his diet. Did they give you kind of any, I guess, warnings or caution of like, this is what you need to do with him? Or was he pretty much healed and just, I guess, back to quote unquote normal? Yeah. I mean, the, whenever I got him from the vet, they, I mean, not the vet, the Humane Society, they just, they were like, he's good to go. I mean, like, just take him home, you know, and his wound was healed. So there wasn't anything that I guess required special care. Right. Um, I knew that he didn't need to jump in or jump out of high places. So never has he ever jumped in a truck or jumped out of the truck. I always help him get in and get out. Um, if he wants down, he typically kind of let me know he wants down. Like, he doesn't jump off of things. And that was one thing is, you know, you want to protect those joints the best you can. Right. Getting on some joint supplements really early on in life. You know, a lot of people don't worry about joint supplements until it's too late. Well, Trip has always been, you know, on joint supplements. I want to make his life as comfortable as possible. So, yeah, just, you know, just the normal everyday care plus just a little bit of guard I try to be careful in what type of conditions I take him in hunting and one time I got I, I don't know what made me do it 
but it was it was a pretty harsh day in Arkansas and it was um there was ice on the water and it wasn't deep water so I wasn't concerned about him falling in or or anything drowning happening but it was still not the best conditions but I'm telling you he got out there and he fought through broke through ice got ducks he picked up I think it was 16 ducks that day and it was it was a really rough harsh conditions ice I mean he got out there like a trooper but then as I was watching him struggle but seeing the joy in his face it was such a hard thing (laughs) right I was like man this is awesome you know watching his eyes light up when he sees ducks like I don't even have to look up at the sky I can just look at him and know when ducks are working spread or not and so it's it's the most incredible thing because he loves it so much. And if he didn't love it, like if he did not enjoy it, if I knew that there was just um just a little bit of you know apprehension or not enjoying it, I would not put him through it. But God knows he loves it. The other day we were coming back home from camping, and we <laughs> stopped at a red light and across the way was some cattails in a pond, and there was like probably eight mallards sitting on it. And he saw him, and he immediately was locked on, like, wow. at that red light. He did not quit looking. So he is very much birdie. It just sounds like your connection together is, like, it was totally meant to be. Your love for waterfowl is. his love for waterfowl. Now, was that trip going out into the icy water, was that his first, or did you say? Or was that first kind of sketchy situation? That was probably the first sketchy situation. Um, I knew it was icy that day, but I knew there was no like real danger as far as deep water conditions. It was more of a flooded field, but it was still pretty deep. Um, but it just it didn't scare me enough. But after watching him break through the ice and the, I guess it's kind of like hindsight, it's kind of twenty twenty, and like looking back now, I wouldn't have done it. But in the moment, it was so awesome to watch him get out there and work. Um, but now I probably wouldn't put him in that just because his joints and slipping. And I mean, it, it doesn't take much to, you know, really injure a dog. And I don't, I don't want to ever put him through that again. So I'm, you know, living in Montana now, I'm probably going to make sure that he does a lot of dry field hunting and, you know, just kind of a little bit easier on him. He's getting a good bit older and, and I want to take care of him the best I can. So we probably won't be doing any, uh, icy <laughs> enjoying the golden fields for now yeah golden fields for now so who's the other lab that you have because you have an adorable or maybe he's not a lab but you have an adorable other pup with you yes his name is heart and that's spelled h-a-r-t so heart and the, this story is is quite an interesting one too so marty you remember me talking about marty yes. who trained trip um, Marty reached out to me, it's been about a year ago, and he said to me, he was like, I've got, I've got something that I want to talk to you about, and I was like, okay, you know, and so he said, I've got a dog here that needs some special care, um, and I was, and I know that you take care of Trip, and, you know, he obviously has a disability, and so this dog does too, and I was like, I was like, what's wrong, like, he's just a little pup, you know. And he was born, either he was born where his rib cage didn't come together. I guess that would be his sternum. I don't really know the like, biological word, but um, basically his heart beats outside his chest. So if you like picked him up from his arms and looked at his, at his midsection, you would see his heart beating. And so Marty wasn't sure if it was a genetic condition or if the mother had perhaps licked his umbilical cord too hard and like, you know, 
caused issues, you know, to where his heart was exposed. And so he told me that, you know, Hart probably would never be, you know, a duck dog. Like he would be very apprehensive to send him out into waters and, you know, with his chest exposed like that, unless he had a protective plate. You know, there were all these issues with a lot of didn't know what was going to happen. Like a lot of the vets were like, there's really, we can't even really give him like a life expectancy. Like he might be okay today and not be okay tomorrow kind of thing. Right. Like how do you know what that exposure? Right. Anything could just poke him. Right. Any, I mean, exactly. I mean, any type of puncture, small or large, could kill him. And so I thought about it and, of course, prayed about it. And I was like, you know, I, I jumped in head first with Trip, not knowing what to expect. And we adapted just fine, much like him losing his leg and adapting just fine. So I was like, you know, that's our story. Like, we just go with the punches, you know. So I, I told Marty I would take him and goodness gracious and when I did I thought he was going to be real docile and just kind of easy to you know contain but that little thing has the wildest spirit he runs a hundred I'm not really but he seems like he runs a hundred miles an hour he looks like a cheetah running around he doesn't slow down I've never seen a dog with so much energy but he um he is also really kind and has, and he has a big heart, lit, like literally, and also just his spirit is beautiful. But yeah, so heart is, an, I guess, another type of rescue where Marty was never going to be able to, to sell him really. And he just needed him to go to a good home. And he knew that I treat my animals like children. So he just called me and that's how it happened. So that's heart. It's really making me smile hearing you talk about both these pups, how you've just brought into your life and first of all, their names, how they came I know about. They all match them. <laughs> it's perfect. Heart and trip. It's the cutest thing ever. Thank um, you. And that's a huge compliment too for Marty to say he already knows that you have a dog with a disability and for him to mm-hmm. put this I guess, decision on you for you to make if you're going to go ahead and take heart. Um, that it says a lot about you from Marty's perspective that you're able to take care of both of these dogs um, and that they're going to live the best lives that they can. So that's really huge that they see that in you. And it clearly, it looks like Trip and Heart get along great. They they do for the most part. It's funny. Trip is a little bit. He likes to get a little big boy mentality, and oh, yeah. I think he wants to let Hart know that he is the little brother, you know. But he, as far as getting along, they get along fine. We we go on walks together. They hang out together twenty four seven. But he has had a little bit of a disagreement with Hart, but all was well. But okay. it was ugly for like a day. But they they totally, I guess bonded with one another and all is good now thank goodness (laughs) oh my goodness so you had heart then when you were still in Alabama is that right I did yes and both of them came to Montana with you they did they did um the first time I came to Montana was in August of last year um I came up here to hunt with my then business partner John um we had started a waterfowl adventure together which at this point isn't happening but um i brought my dog to montana we road tripped it all 1800 miles holy which smokes in, in itself that's another that could be a whole podcast in itself goodness well. gracious yes um it was a long time especially with a puppy like heart was legit a puppy at that time and um but yeah i came to montana in august and we hunted and trip picked up his first canada goose 
Wow. No, that wasn't August. I apologize. That was September. Okay. Um, I said that it was sep- it was the end of September. Um, but Trip picked up his first Canada goose, so that was awesome. And then, um, yeah, I mean they they loved it. Then it was it was decent weather. It was nice cool but it wasn't you know the harsh montana winter that you hear about that they just recently had um but yeah they enjoyed it and we're here now i know you so you Um, said in the beginning of this podcast that you're now in montana so what made you stay yeah well see i i was here just for business to begin with but then i feel like as most stories go you know you fall in love (laughs) you meet somebody i love it so um yeah I, i met my now boyfriend jason at ATA this past January, and gosh, it was immediate. We hit it off so quick. Sparks were flying everywhere. Sparks were flying. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So now I'm here in Montana, and I I absolutely love it. It's it's a beautiful place. It's a right now it's absolutely gorgeous. I'm sitting here with my friend Mary, um, and we're just kind of watching the sun. It's going to be setting here in about an hour and a half, and it's just beautiful views you just wouldn't believe the views but yeah we we love it here in montana it's 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 great weather right now now i don't know if i would have said that back in january when it was negative 31 oh my gosh yeah but um it feels real good right now now was that a difficult decision to make when of course you're not there for business but you're just there for business you know you're going to go home but it's not the four hours like you were away in mississippi this is how how far away now 1800 miles 1800 miles so was that a so 30 30 31 hours <laughs> what yeah it's 31 driving hours and you just did that didn't you girl i just did it yeah i just got back not too long ago and it's i mean it is a brutal brutal drive I'll get, i mean it's beautiful you get to see a lot of pretty countryside that you might not see otherwise my family actually is coming up in in july so it's coming up Oh, uh, awesome. They're going to come up and visit, and they have yet to meet Jason, my boyfriend. So they're coming up and, and meeting Jason, and, you know, we're going to go to Yellowstone and do all the touristy stuff and show them a little of that local flair. I love you know. it. So, yeah, we're excited. Now, I have to ask, do you watch the show Yellowstone? No, but oh I want to start. So Jason and I have a pack that we're not going to start it without the other. So when he gets back, he's actually in New York now uh, for a wedding, and he's going to be coming back. And I told him we're starting it because so many people are just raving it's over it. It's so addicting. It's so good. And the first episode, my boyfriend and I binged it, just watched every single night after work, having dinner. And then, well, now season two is on TV, so it's like, right. got to wait every week. I'm like, I'm not used to this. Now that oh, yeah. I, really I don't like to having to do that. Mm-mm. <laughs> TV has changed. Yeah. But, yeah, it's um, it's a great show. You definitely, you guys need to watch it. And I'm sure okay, you hear that all the time. For sure. I'm going to watch it. So, moving now to Montana, what is, how is life different, like, from your everyday? You're kind of, you said you are with a friend now, so hello. Yes. Mary has actually been my friend for a long time now, and it was crazy. We had, like, a long-distance friendship for a while, you know, just, like, messaging each other yeah. and talking but you know i was listening to yours and um breeze last uh podcast earlier 
and you know she said that so many relationships start now through Instagram oh, yeah and and Mary is one of those for me you know we we started talking and became friends and I mean it was an instantaneous connection so whenever I found out that I was going to be moving up to to Montana she was super pumped we were both pumped so now we we hike together and going to be hunting together. She hunted with me waterfowl for the first time. I got to introduce her to a really good goose hunt. Um, we, it was, I can't even explain how incredible it was. Like literally it was the best goose hunt that I've ever had. And she was just, I mean, watching her face was the best <laughs> part. So taking her goose hunt was really fun. And I'm going to probably go with her and, you know, watch her, you know, hunt big game. And that's something that I haven't done much of at all um, is big game hunting. So I'm ex- I'm really eager to learn from her and, and watch and be there for her when she's hunting elk. So that's, that's something so awesome. I'm really looking forward to. But we really, you know, that's something we've always been good friends. Now get to be good friends in person. So. It's good. We just shot those earlier. How fun is that? Yeah. (laughs) That is what it's all about. That's so cool. You're able to move and instantly you're having, you're able to have other people then, of course, you want to spend all this time with your boyfriend, but that you have other friends out there. That's huge. And I'm sure it made the move a lot easier. It did. You know, I miss my family. I miss Alabama. There's things about Alabama I love. Um, but, you know, I, I my family's coming up here in July. You know, we've got dates on the calendar when we're going to be seeing each other. So, it's, you know, I, that loneliness factor that's never happened here in Montana like it did in Olive Branch. That feeling of just absolutely being alone. Whereas here, you know, I've got Mary and Jason, Jason's family, other friends in the area. So, you know, it's it's been a wonderful experience thus far. Oh, what a blessing. That's really amazing. I'm really excited for for you that you're going to have your family up there, and that'll be a lot of fun. I can't wait. So flipping the script a little bit, because I know I said I was going to jump around, um, but we were talking earlier about just how you knew that you wanted to continue that educational part of you that you have inside, that you went to school for, in connect that and kind of marry your passion with um, also your education. So educating people how to hunt, different things about the outdoors. And in a recent podcast, you had talked about just being tempted to delete your Instagram because there was a moment where you thought you weren't doing the right thing. Can you give our listeners a little bit of background on that experience? Absolutely. You know, um, such a sensitive subject whenever you start thinking about times you've been hurt and times that you've really lost sense of your path, you know, um, it was one picture recently that, that sparked, uh, Mary and I were talking about it earlier, it sparked an absolute negative fire in my life. And the picture was simply me leaned up against a tree calling um, my 737 duck call. Um, it was just a, literally a picture in the moment. And a lot of people quickly wanted to say it was photoshopped or quickly wanted to say I was a fake huntress or I mean you can imagine it was just a lot of negativity over a picture that was I mean pretty much authentic you know we were out there hunting I had a limited ducks to show afterwards it was just I, I, I think what they got confused over was 
the quality of picture was honestly a really great picture and it had the effect of kind of a 3d look to it um yeah, your photos are really great by, yeah but, and i was like i just i don't really know how they came across the idea that this call you know was like superimposed or something i was all kind of confused at how it even came about so i was like the first thing i can do is just go get my calls and take a picture of it and put it on my story and then all this stuff like I was trying to like combat the issue but constantly it was just you're not a real duck hunter you're not a real hunter you know I mean a lot of negativity came from that one post you know people saying she's fake she craves attention she does it for the likes that's the one my goodness do it for the gram you know all this negativity and as this was happening women were reaching out to me and saying things like, you know, I would, I would go duck hunting if I didn't think people would make fun of me or, you know, I would shoot my bow and post about my experience if I didn't think people would critique me and be hateful, you know, so I was watching these women come to me, not about the positive things, but why they were scared to share anything on social media and why they were scared to share their path and their experiences. And then I got in this kind of a whirlwind of, oh, my God, like I'm hurting the statistics of female hunters. I am single handedly causing women to feel nervous to get out there and get after it and, you know, hunt with their fathers or brothers or whomever, you know. And so I I immediately kind of clammed up in that space because for a moment. I felt that shame of what if I'm deterring people? You know, what if I'm deterring women mostly? Right. And so that that scared me. I sat down and I wrote a blog of why I want to delete my Instagram. And and in that moment, you know, I just it was almost some soul search and I literally just sat down and just typed out, you know, what I was feeling in that moment. And I posted it. And after I posted it, I you know, I posted it on social media and I just turned the lights out and went to bed and woke up and of course got my coffee grabbed my phone had a lot of text messages and I was like whoa that's crazy pulled my Instagram up and the first direct message and it gives me chills to this day the first message that popped up was from Eva Shockey and I was just I mean immediate chills I was like oh my gosh like Eva Shockey just slid my DMs like I freaked out someone that you've looked up to for so long literally the pinnacle yeah, the pinnacle of, like, female hunter was in my <laughs> direct messages, and I was like, oh, my wow. gosh. So, you know, I read it, and she just sympathized with me because she was like, you know, I have received the same comments. You know, a lot of people say things that I'm just hunting. I am who I am because of my dad. That's what she gets thrown at a lot. And, you know, she just talked to me and was so uplifting and so kind. And then I went to the next message. And it was a girl that was like, if it weren't for, wasn't for you, I would have never gone duck hunting. I would have never asked my dad to take me. And it was message after message after message. Amazing. Yeah, of females, you know, that were like, don't, don't let hateful comments, you know, deter you from telling your story. There's people out there that want to see it. And just because we may not comment or like or interact, you know, doesn't mean we're not interested. And I got to thinking, you know, we focus so much on the negativity in our lives. It's so easy to take the hateful and the hurtful 
and the despicable and just focus completely on that. And I found myself doing that. Like I would just sit there and I would post something and I would read through my comments and all these beautiful, nice, heartfelt messages. But then there would be that one hateful person or that really hateful comment that just, you know, bothers you. It just right. picks at your heart and your soul because it means so much to you. And man, but after I, you know, I sat down and um, you can ask Mary, I mean, like whenever she, she actually like got on there with me because I was so overwhelmed. I was like, what do I do? How do I comment back to all these people? There was my, I think that blog had, it had a lot of people click on it. I mean, it really, it really got around and it was, it was uplifting for me to know that people do care that I am helping people. That was my biggest fear was that I wasn't helping people that I wasn't a strong enough light to give a positive vibe. I felt like so many females were coming to me saying, you know, I see that, I see the negativity you have to go through and it scares me. And that's what bothered me the most was, you know, I was never going to lose my passion as a hunter or as a provider or, you know, a conservationist or adventure seeker. You know, like I just, I just needed to not expose myself anymore to that hurt. And so like I was never, you know what I'm saying? So I, and that's where I was in my life, you know, was, do I stop documenting my journey? You know, do I stop, you know, being so vulnerable? You know, do I stop opening up to people? And then after that blog, man, it just, it sparked a fire in me. I was like, I'm not stopping. Like, I'm not going to quit. So yeah, so here I am still going. <laughs> well, that's, I am. that's so good that you stayed true to your heart and what you want to share and one thing I did read, it came out, you wrote that post early fall last year, was it? I did in August. I, cause I remember reading it and just thinking, I read one quote and I actually reread it again today before we got on the phone. And it was one of the message that, messages that you said that you received from a woman was, I'm new to hunting, but I'm scared to share my adventures on social media. Mm-hmm. And I was like, did I send that to her? Because <laughs> I mean, really, it could have been. There's no telling. Yeah. It was It was one of those things that it, like, really struck a chord with me because as I am starting to get into hunting and looking out for different avenues to learn and where I should go um, in our area, who I should be going with, it's really mainly my dad because none of my girlfriends or any really friends growing up, um, hunt or fish. And I was, I started a while back. I started a Instagram page where I was like, you know what, this is where I'm going to dedicate, um, where I'm, what I learn and I'm going to share it with people. And this is my journey and learning how to hunt, how to fish and all the, all the things in between. And we talked about it earlier, just the authenticity of it. And I just didn't feel authentic. I was like, this Mm -hmm. isn't me. This is silly. Why should I be so afraid that I need to create a whole other account that I'm so afraid of not sharing it on my personal page. Like none of these people I'm actually friends with in real life, like this is silly. And I've started to slowly share my journey of the different things that I'm learning. And it's a blast, like getting out there and being able to show people like, this is what I like to do for fun. Like you get a sense of relief. And it's funny that it's like, why is this, um, why is this kind of passion and this interest such a controversial topic? It's really mm-hmm. weird because you think there's so many different interests that you have. It's like, why is this one, one that people fear so much? And it's because of those negative comments that you see a lot of people that you may follow receive. Mm-hmm. But 
from all of that, how do you keep kind of yourself focused in knowing that you are educating peers and you are educating future generations? Um, you're educating people like me. How do you keep yourself focused in knowing this is what I'm supposed to do? I think the I think the beauty in it is accepting your struggles and like learning to persevere regardless of what adversity is thrown your way. You know, I think that's the beauty of it to where, I mean, I was in such a low in August and considering just absolutely wiping clean so much hard work that I invested to, you know, really show people who I am, you know, and, and I feel like I'm not just one thing. And I think that's where people get really confused is that this is an outdoor page. So it should be strictly outdoors, you know, but for me as a person, I'm not just, I'm not just an outdoorsman. You know what I mean? Like I, I am very much, that is very much a huge part of who I am, but I also love fashion. Like I also love to cook huge book nerd like I mean there's so many parts of me that I feel like I'm doing an absolute injustice by not sharing so and I think that's where people perhaps draw a little bit of negativity or concern is like how can how can females do so much I feel like we have so many qualities right and And we do and I go ahead sorry go ahead no you go ahead No, but it's true. I mean, you're so dynamic and there are so many things that you love to share. And it's really cool. Some of the things that you have shared of how you've tied in your different interests with your interest in hunting and your interest in fashion, because there's a lot of um, brands out there that you've shared on your page that tie the two together. But I'm sure there's things that completely don't have to do with hunting at all. Right, right. And for a long time, like, I tried to really just show the outdoor side because I feel like a huge majority of my followers are just interested in the outdoor side. I mean, let's be honest. Like, that's probably my biggest following is just strictly outdoors. But I feel like there's also people that might be interested in the fashionable side or in the cooking side or, you know, whatever aspect of myself I think I think that's what's cool is that people aren't just one thing you know like being dynamic is what makes people interesting so you know I always I always struggle with the fact do I just keep it outdoors or do I kind of sprinkle in a little fashionable fit every now and then like you know it is it is a delicate balance and and what's funny is I, I don't really know the answer and I think that's what makes me human it makes everyone just you don't really know you know you just you just share what you want to share. And that's what I've been trying to do is always share my authentic self. And my authentic self is I used to do pageants and I love to dress up and I love fashion, but I also like to go shoot ducks. And I also like to sit in a stand for hours and, you know, wait on that big buck to come across my path. But, you know, that, that doesn't make me fake that I enjoy both. That just makes me dynamic. My boyfriend just walked in. He's like, yeah, girl. I was <laughs> like, preach, girl. <laughs> I love it. Um, But it's true. I mean, you should share all the things that you're interested in and don't just cater it to the people that are following you. Like, yeah, there might be a huge chunk of or a huge percent percentage of people who are sharing just looking for the outdoor stuff. But if they're truly interested in you and your message that 
they're going to stick around for the other stuff because they love how you're dynamic and how you do have other interests. So girl, I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. Definitely share, share what is true to you and what you love to do, because I think people love to see that. And I think it's encouraging to see too, that it's not, you're not hunting every day. You're a real person. You actually have other things going on. You have other interests. Um, and I think it's super cool that you've been so open and honest with the social media world. I mean, it definitely, I can imagine, is really tough. It is. It's, it's difficult to be, you know, your authentic self and then to also get slammed, you know, for things that you love and are 100% passionate about. But, you know, it's, it's, it's a lifelong journey of, you know, you're not always going to please people. And I was, I was just talking about my grandmother earlier. She, she said this saying, and it's really resonated with me in so many ways in life and times, but she would say, you can be the juiciest, ripest, sweetest peach on the tree, but there's somebody that doesn't like peaches. And that's the, that's the God honest truth. You know, you can be, you can be your best self, but there's somebody that's not going to like you for whatever reason. Going back and looking through all the experiences, all the amazing opportunities that hunting has led you to, did you ever imagine this for yourself? Honestly, no. You know, I, I never, if you would have asked me 10 years ago, where would I be right now? It wouldn't be where I am right now. You know, it would be probably, <laughs> Absolutely. probably a professor, probably with children, probably married, you know, like, Obviously still hunting, you know, just not in the limelight of things. Um, but, yeah, a, a little bit different. But, you know, the my job allows me to be super flexible. And, you know, working remote is very much a lucky thing. And it can also be a crutch because I feel like I'm working 24-7. I feel like I'm always logged on, per se. Sure. Um so where people look at it, you know, the grass is always greener on the other side. A lot of people look at my life and are like, oh, my gosh, I wish that I had your job. And there's days I am very grateful. But then there's days I look back at my nine to five at the university where I would, you know, go to work and then get to completely cut off from it, like completely right. walk away and then, you know, go do whatever, enjoy my weekends and then come back on Monday and do it all over again. There's something nice about a repetitive thing, you know, having that consistency. Yeah, just your routine. A very much routine. And so now, you know, it's not like that at all. So I, I definitely feel like I've been on both sides of the fence. Um, and there are pros and cons to both. It's, it's hard for me to say which is best and which is not. There's days I long for that, you know, nine to five and then being able to disconnect. And then there's days when I'm, sitting on top of a mountain and getting a post in for one of my clients and looking out at the sunset and thinking, dang, you know, I've got a good job. So it just, it really just depends on the day. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think that goes to show with everything. Like you could be wanting to go back to a nine to five and really wish you were back to where you are now. So mm -hmm. it's all just living in the moment for sure. Absolutely. Now, Sydney, I don't want to take up too much of your time because it's been about an hour, but the whole reason for these podcasts are really just to become a resource for young women to kind of go to and listen to our conversations and just get inspired and hopefully be encouraged to get outdoors and really just pursue any passion that they might have. And you've shared so much great insight and thank you so much for sharing it all with me. What would be 
one takeaway that who's ever listening to this down the road could really just take with them and remember Sydney told me this and really encourage someone to just follow their journey and stick to their gut and pursue it. Oh, that's a tough question. Loaded I feel question. like I feel like this is Miss America and I'm on the stage right now and I just got to ask a really tough question. And I'm Back like, to your roots. Whoa. Okay, here we go. Um, you know, a lot of words start just popping in my head. You know, dream big, reach for sure. the stars, like don't give up despite the adversities. You know, like I, I'm getting all these sayings at one time of what I want to reach out and tell people. But honestly, it's it's just that, like, don't give up on yourself just because an adversity pops up in the way, because the victory at the end may be super sweet. You know, like you've just really got to persevere through the hard times. There's going to be hard times. That's what I tell people, you know, whether you're, you know, hunting an elusive buck or whether you're, you know, trying to be a TV star, whether you're trying to be an influencer or a role model or whatever, just be your best self, be your authentic self, know that there's going to be controversies, know that there's going to be difficult times. But for me, I have to always reach back out to my faith with God, I can do anything. And I truly believe that. And I feel like, you know, people, you may not have a, a, a religion at this time and, or the audience we're, you know, talking to right now may not. But that has always been my strongest point is that I can always reach back to my faith and grasp hold and know that I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So that's how I feel. Sydney, you are such an inspiration. You are seriously so much fun to talk to. Thank you you. for all of that. Thanks. You are so sweet. And I'm really glad we got a chance to chat. Um, There's just so much to learn from you. And I really hope people turn to your page and start to follow you. Um, and all that you have to offer. So where can people find you? Okay, cool. Uh, well, you know, I am at Sydney Leanne 40 on Instagram. So you can find me there. And then also uh, com. I haven't blogged much lately. I need to get back to my roots and get back to writing. I love to write. I enjoy writing. But, you know, the one blog that we were kind of referring to about me struggling during hard times, you can find it there. Um, so yeah, there's multiple platforms, mostly Instagram, Facebook, my website, and then also Wildlife Roost TV. I'll make several cameo appearances this fall. Very cool. Yeah. All right, Sydney. Thank you so, so much. I really appreciate you coming on here and taking the time to chat with me. Thank you so much. And thank you for what you do, because I've been following you for a long time and you are an inspiration and I do enjoy following your stuff. You've done a great job thus far oh well thank you i really appreciate that you're welcome all right girl well, we'll need to get together and get in that flooded timber i know let's I'm really <laughs> i'm really wanting to do that and cross it off my bucket list let's do it i'm serious i'll take you oh, that would be amazing all right well i'll have to reach out to you but for now mary enjoy your wonderful friend she is awesome <laughs> <laughs> all right ladies have a good one all right we're gonna go shoot some bows oh jealous Man, I feel like a woman.